Open your eyes. Wake up, Link. I'm Luke Summerhays. I'm James J. Miles. And I'm James the Jaster Stewart. And you're listening to Hyrule Field Report. What did we do last week? What did we do last week? It's been a couple of weeks since we recorded. Uh, we didn't we leave off at the getting the bow for from Tulin. Is that right? Uh, yes, yeah, that's right. We make a claim to. I believe you're correct. So Jay, what are we gonna do this week? Well, now that we've uh, armed Tulin up with his weapon, um, I think it's time that we begin exploring this mysterious maelstrom that uh, seems to be the source of the Hebrew region's woes. And we might get sidetracked a little before we take the climb, though. We shall see. Hmm. Um, so... Because pretty much we've... as soon as you get the bow for Tulin, he uh, he points you out to... He, he points you to, like, there's kind of, like, these ruins nearby that are obviously... Mm-hmm kind of leading up to the chain of islands in the sky um but you can get sidetracked quite easily but there's quite a few points of interest on the ground but i presume you guys just immediately bounded up there and followed the main quest right yes so much so that i didn't go back to the rita village and buy any cold weather armor <laughs> yeah i think you mentioned this last time yeah, yeah. like <laughs> yeah i, I can't believe... already had the armor by that point at least two pieces which is all that's needed <laughs> I, I can't in fact i only believe... needed one piece because you have the trousers from the great sky island at the beginning that's right yeah i think i mentioned that's all that I, had. I bought the headpiece um yeah but the headpiece later on chest. So you're just guzzling spicy curry and everything to get you up the, the, the section of the game, Luke? Yep. Yeah. Um, well, I had I had the trousers, whatever it is, from the island. Mm-hmm. So, you're like so I was okay. Okay. I was okay until I got basically as high as the actual dungeon. Suppose uh, a slight hack that you could have done, although you might not have had the items necessary at this point is if you attach a ruby to something you get like a fire weapon and mm. that can act as a, a heat source mm-hmm. instead of having to use um, you know elixirs or spicy food or what have you I think um, as part of once I had enough item slots to justify it, I think I always carried around uh, an icy scepter and a fiery scepter not to use in combat but purely just for temperature control mm-hmm. I, yeah, I eventually started carrying one, not for temperature control, but just for puzzle solving. Also helpful, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah if there was stuff that needed setting on fire, that was how I was doing it. I would just lob a bit of fire through that. <laughs> <laughs> I'd always use them as, like, utility weapons, really, really, like, I was like, see a fire enemy, make sure I have an ice weapon mm-hmm. on me. It's good for that. Oh, yeah, because you get, like, a one-hit kill on them, right? Like, yeah, pretty much. Easy yeah, yeah that was skills. mostly the arrows for me. Yeah. Um... So yeah, Tulin says, um, let's, uh, we should go to the, he says about going up to the Sky Islands above Heber Peak because he says he reckons he saw Princess Zelda there, um, which is the whole reason we're actually going up there. But it's also, 
that he's going up there. If I remember last time we finished off, he's the only one that is capable of um, flying into that maelstrom. And it's this is mm. our first chance to kind of get to grips with his uh, wind power, right? This is where it kind yeah. of really comes into fruition and you'll use it to kind of traverse your way through this section of the game. Um, yeah, did we... we speak about the wind power last time? We touched on it a little bit because we were chatting to Kate about it, I think. Right. But we haven't properly talked about it since we actually met Tulin in our playthrough. Yeah. So yeah, the way it works is you can activate it any time, but the prompt like pops up as soon as you start gliding. And he'll create like a horizontal version of an updraft. Yes. So like a a side draft. (laughs) Or a gust of wind. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, but it is the same, like, sort of cylindrical, like, wind Yeah, like a, shot, yeah, right? a blast of wind, basically, right? Yeah, yeah. And then, yeah, you can use that to make yourself travel a bit faster in whatever direction you are trying to go. Yeah. Um, which, the game, even to get from Toronto Peak, where you kind of help out... Um, Tulin recovering the bow to get across to the Hebra Peak where you begin climbing up there's you know kind of going from ruin to ruin and avoid kind of falling all the way down into the snow drifts below I think the game kind of expects you to try out the the power even even on the ground level mm-hmm. and start to get to grip with it mm-hmm. before it becomes a bit more integral for traversing the island chain up above but um yeah I think when we touched upon it briefly I did say it's like my my most used power. It's easily the most mm. the, the most useful. It could also be the like most annoying, like when you accidentally activate it in the early part of the game and blow away all the arrows that you were trying to collect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Like, damn it, I needed those arrows. Killing why? <laughs> what? But it basically, it ends up being any time you glide, you might as well use Tulin, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Like you're never gonna glide, and then like, well, I'm. I don't want to go this extra few metres forwards. Exactly. So it's not like mega useful in individual moments, but you are always going to be using it. Yeah, it's, it's great for like general exploration in the game. Yeah. I think, I think like until... Not summon them. Like, well, after I got them, obviously. I think until I got the... Um... The much vaunted hover bike with uh, which with all built, um, I was using um, Tulin so much, like kind of going up to a, a sky tower, and then just gliding and having Tulin kind of boost me like, a little bit further to wherever I wanted to go. Um, yeah. It just made getting yeah. around the world a lot quicker and simpler because I was using these as my jumping off points, and he helped that kind of horizontal. Um, you know, explanation to go a lot easier because you don't need a, an upward draft with you know the the sky towers dotted very conveniently throughout the world. So yeah, fan of the little guy. He's very helpful. Yeah, for the longest time, that was my primary interaction with this whole game was go to a sky tower, get in the sky, and then tool in my way towards wherever I wanted to be. <laughs> yep, same, same. And it wasn't until I saw a, 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 a Twitter user. Um, show off their hover bike. I was like, I want one of those, please. I'm going to use one of those. Thank you. 
So we're up on top of some big ruins. Yeah. And you can see from the top of the mountain, there's some ruins, you know, just that have landed on top. But then they continue upwards, forming kind of a staircase up, up, up into the actual sky. Yeah. Um, I think this whole section coming up might be one of my favourite bits of the game. There's just something about a climb mm-hmm. towards your objective that that really gets me. And I think it's the... Maybe because it was my, this is the first main quest that I tackled. I think it's the first main quest that you tackled as well, Luke, right? That's correct, yep. And, and yeah, it's clearly it, the one that gets you to first. Uh, it was my second. Your second. It was my second. So, like, obviously, me, at least you and I, Luke, Big, big first impression for like a big first story mm-hmm. exploration moment, right? Um, mm-hmm. But there is some really cool visuals as you as you climb here because if you climb up those uh, the kind of ruins and end up in the sky zone or as it's actually known, the rising island chain. Um, Makes sense. Makes sense. A literal name. Right yeah, chain of islands. <laughs> um, you'll come across a very cool visual of these floating ruins and further off in the distance you'll start to see like if you look higher and higher you'll see like ships in the sky kind of um and something kind of massive contained within the maelstrom that you can kind of make out from a shadow but not really um it's just a really cool visual and it's not daunting as such, because you know it's going to be a, f- a fun journey for a climb, but I mean, if you were in Link's shoes, you would look up and you'd go, oh Christ, we have to climb all of that. Oh my God. And it's not inherently on its own, you could say that like, you know, it's pretty simple platforming, but it's within the context of in this, you've literally walked all the way here on the ground and you can go all the way up into the sky seamlessly in this one, you know, there's no loading screen, there's no cut. I mean, there are cutscenes, I guess, but you can go all the way from the ground to the sky. That's like the magic of this game, the thing that makes you feel like, okay, this isn't just Breath of the Wild again. This mm-hmm. is something, you know, the world has changed a lot and it's going to be exciting to explore all over again. Yeah, one yeah. thing one thing I liked about it was the fact that like you're basically as you're making your way up like the island chain, like you're basically using all of your abilities, including the, the one with Tulin. Because a little kind of puzzle, like it's not just kind of platform. There's like certain like elements of like puzzle elements where you're using your ascend or ultra hand to build blocks to so you can get high enough to ascend to certain blocks. Yeah, and I think this is going to be a trend as we talk about the the game in general um is that each of the kind of four regional main quests they all have this kind of bit of pre-dungeon exploration that i don't remember breath of the wild having and i think it really helps flesh out the main quests and i mean breath of the wild had getting on the Divine Beast, right? Yeah, that's what this is the equivalent of. Moment, right? Um, which was because I always in Breath of the Wild, whenever people said that game lacked bosses, 
one of my retorts to that was that kind of the Divine Beast is a boss before you get inside it. Sort of, yeah. yeah. I think it's... Maybe it doesn't have a life bar as such, but you still have to hit. No, but it's still going to say that. Because I see, like, see, like, the approaches as well for all these main quests before you get to, like, the actual main part of the quest. Like, I will include Mm -hmm. all of that together as, like, one big, like, kind of temple or dungeon, if you want to call it that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's all one big thing. Yeah, yeah, I'd count everything. Like, it's a whole kind of part of it, like, the approach. And obviously, once you get to your destination. Temple itself. Yeah. Yeah. The only thing I can think of that that Breath of the Wild did like this was in the Gerudo zone, how you had to go to the Yiga hideout to recover the Thunder Helm before mm. then t- taking on uh, Vanaboros. Um, because that was, well, and was a little adventure also, in itself. The Goron area, you and Yunobu had to like make your way to the um, Divine Beast. The kind of little While stealth section, your way. Dealio, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I didn't like that bit, but <laughs> yeah, it's what it is. <laughs> no, it wasn't the best, but it was an equivalent. Yeah, I get what you mean. Little segment. Um, but yeah, this just again, I just really love a a climb towards a destination in in a, hmm. in a game. Um, I don't just mean like a tower. <laughs> Like a Ubisoft tower. I mean, an actual engaging. <laughs> an actual claim, yeah. You know, yeah, like, you know. It's or like a, a claim where you actually need to think about what you're doing and how you're going to yeah. approach it. Yeah. Or, or even the whole journey itself being a climb. Like, I think to the original Xenoblade Chronicles, like how you're climbing up the the, the, the world is you're climbing up to the, the head of the world. I want to mention as well, right. like, if, I don't know if it, like, it's a scripted moment or not, like, but did you guys get, like, the Blood Moon during your climb at any point? No. Because I did. It was amazing. Just seeing the red moon like being... fly like halfway up and the red moon like kind of flying flying by and Oh yeah, things. I can imagine that being a cool visual. It was pretty cool. It was like straight away like screenshot, screenshot, screenshot. Yeah. <laughs> um so pretty pretty soon once you hit the Ryzen Island chain. Um so there are, there are enemies as well on these claim. I think they're all constructs, if I remember rightly. Yeah, they are, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so you have to take out a few of those and you go up a few islands. Um, you will hit the first of two shrines in the Rising Island chain. Um, the Maya Umekis shrine, also known as Downward Force. So this is basically teaching you to jump on stuff and break it. Uh, yes, it's and... also teaching you about the bolts um, that you're going mm. to use to traverse your way to the very highest point of the Rising Island chain, and also they will become important in the Temple to Come as well. So I think I mentioned this when we were talking to Kate. A lot of the way I play these games is I will unlock shrines and then sit down and do a bunch of them later on. Right, yeah, yeah. So he, I came to this... I actually did this shrine way after finishing the dungeon. <laughs> Surely, oh, so and that's I was like, how oh, this works. Is, this is a little tutorial for stuff that I yeah. figured out on my own yeah, yeah, elsewhere. Yeah. I actually had that same thing with the, kind of the approach to the Gerudo, Gerudo Desert, Desert one. Because there's a shrine, there's a shrine somewhere, like in central Hyrule somewhere, that basically t- teaches you about the floating platforms. 
And so when I first saw mm. the floating platform, like, Zonite item, I was like, how the hell does this thing work? Oh. Like, what am I meant to do with it? So I, I did not do yeah, that part, of the part properly at all in the Gerudo section. But now I know. I suppose that one's more easily missed, whereas <laughs> this one is literally on the beaten path and Luke just... Yeah, he's, he's just... He's, yeah, exactly, yeah. He's just like, hold it. That's, that's, that's for another time. He's playing it. <laughs> um... So yeah, I think you're you're kind of you, you jump on to uh, you're jumping on the boats and I don't think I did this shrine correctly because what you're meant to do is you're meant to jump up and um I think you'll you'll activate bullet time and shoot a switch yeah, like yeah, through yeah, some bars. Yeah, I'm sure I ended up brute forcing this with recall or something like that. Like when in doubt, mm. if I can't figure out what to do, let's use recall to bullshit our way through the puzzle. But um, yeah, yeah, pretty cool shrine. Um, I, I liked. Uh, I, I like shrines that are that 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 feel expansive. We kind of mm. spoke about them, kind of feeling like their own little like pocket dimensions, like Tardises basically. Mm. And this one definitely is one of the big example of that because it's this massive massive room with all the boats kind of circling around and uh yeah pretty cool as well as being like little tutorials these dungeon approaches always have one or two shrines placed just as checkpoints basically yeah because i think if you'd been following the main quest you know let's say you got to rito village you found out where chulin is you went through that cave, which is a reasonably lengthy cave that we spoke about last time. You did the combat bit with Julian. You then got your way up to the Rising Island chain. That's a fair chunk of mm-hmm. game, and you might, you know, want to take a break from there or go do something else. Mm-hmm. So the shrine's there for you to jump away before you continue yeah, the rest. Definitely, of the like a good stopping point as well. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But that's often how I would use them. But right, well, I'll just get to the shrine, then I can go to bed, something like that. Mm-hmm. I never do the shrine. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I have done the shrine, just didn't do them immediately. <laughs> yes. I know, I know. Like I mentioned this before. I running around on six hearts. That would, like, that would just do my head in, man, leaving on tick shrines. I need to, like, as soon as I'm near them, I'm doing them and getting the chest inside as well. But we can continue upwards on our little journey here. Yep. And eventually you will encounter said boats that were in that shrine. And uh, But immediately after, out. more or less. Pretty much, because you start to get those platforms where you've got to jump on the boat and it will take you through like a circular hole in the bottom of a platform. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. And then I think this is where maybe what you were thinking about, Luke, some of the platforms you actually have to burst through or you know dive bomb through first to then mm. find another boat. To continue rising up, stuff like that. Um, like but yeah, I mean, we should clarify. I mean, I'm sure people know what we're talking about, but the boats basically act as just floating trampolines. Yeah, we didn't even talk about that, do we? We just assume. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're kind of got like a canopy on the top of them, and when you land on them, they'll spring you up. And so, really satisfying, like Link lands and there's like a little pause, mm-hmm. and then boom, it's launched up again. Yeah. Yeah, pretty cool as well. Satisfying like, a little bit of kinda, Looney Tunes. As long as you land on another ship, like there's no like fall damage. 
Yeah. Just mm. like a nice touch. Like it's be very easy to kinda ruin kinda the element of the, the ship if there was like full damage. I think they need they need to have that built in, right? Because a couple yeah. of the ships have to like dive bomb through some ice potentially to find where the next ship is to continue jumping up, for example. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was just kind of getting at the fact if it, if it wasn't Nintendo, like that would maybe something like other mm. developers might like overlook. They might have included that. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, if you had to like manually hit your um, glider right before you land every time, whatever, it could have yeah, gone a little bit. Yeah, bounce up like. Just gonna ruin the momentum of it, but thankfully it doesn't. It, it's an amazing. Could you be really nasty actually? Thinking about it, like because some of the ships move. If you had to like push, like pop out the glider just before you land, like then you might miss the ship really easily. Um, yeah, well that could that would have been really frustrating. Glad they didn't do that. Mm-hmm. Although, whatever link gets full damage and then falls and then gets more full damage and then falls. It is really funny to watch. More so when it's a clip of it happening to someone else. Yeah. I think they're some of my favourite clips, like Stuart getting knocked off the top of a cliff by a Bacoblin and then hmm. just rolling down. Falling all the way down to like the depths. Pretty sure I'm sort of so <laughs> so ones as well where like it's like a construct enemy with a, a fan weapon and they just like uh-huh. off you go off the ledge. <laughs> Yeah, they are they are trolls. <laughs> Continuing yeah. onwards, it's basically Oh, there's a couple more constructs to fight and things like that. But it's not particularly complex platforming for a little while, just clamber over a ruin, take a boat, bounce up, clamber over another ruin. There's a little Korok you can do with the old um archery. The classic Breath of the Wild style Korok. I don't think I got any Koroks on my climb up here. I didn't. I don't think. I think because I was so zoned into the main quest, I just didn't think mm-hmm. about optional stuff like that. Um, it's just, you know, one of the little. You see a little wooden platform and you stand on it, and it gives you a. Oh right, like a balloon. To... I can't remember if it's a pop a balloon one or a jump through a hoop one. Uh, the interactive map says you've got to jump through a hoop, which kind of yeah. makes sense, I guess, because you're you're going to zoom with Tulin to go through the island. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's just. Yeah, Another little way to timer based that rings, puzzles. Yeah. Um. Further up the chain, like kind of to the to the kind of most northern point of the chain before you start, you know, ascending even higher. Um, I think this I think this one maybe is a little optional area you can go to, um, but you can get to it quite easily with um the boats and stuff. There's another uh, flux construct that you can fight. Um, in the Rising Island chain, with uh, this one ha- again has a chest near it that you can grab with another old map. Um, and we spoke about how the game, well, like a couple of episodes ago, we spoke about how the the minor set is all within reach here with the maps, and you know might encourage you to go back to the depths after you're done with the main quest. Well, this chest takes you to the final piece of the minor set. So uh, if you get the two from the Sky Island that we spoke about was it last episode or the episode prior? Anyway. Was, yeah. and, uh, and then this one on the Rising Island chain, you'll have the complete miner set and then you could uh you know have a healthy a healthy glow around you as you explore the depths. But you so get, I didn't you know, find 
any of this until we started talking about it for the podcast. So I never uh, had that in the depths. Um, but like one once you start like unlocking ages. light roots, unlocking light roots, and using your um, all your other powers and um, your what, you, what are they called the little Green bloom seats. Yeah, 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 bright blooms. Yeah, there's you know, always there's, there's always a, like other not options that hard to make the deck. To, like, explore. Right? You're never kind of stuck. It's not like you need the minor set. At least not all of it. Yeah, it's never that tricky to light up the depths. The uh, the minor set's interesting as well because it's a ma- this is a miner's mask that you get, and hmm. the mask is explicitly shaped like a zonai face. Mm-hmm. So, you know, presumably a zonai would have would have worn this. It's, it's got the it's got horns kind of dangling off it. Um, the the mask has kind of a Basically, your first set of uh, Raru cosplay in the game. Yeah, yeah, you can cosplay as Raru <laughs> if you want with this, absolutely. Well, and much, much later, we will kind of get the other, like, sage cosplays, so... Mm-hmm. Yes. That's why I mentioned yes. it. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll speak about those when we get to those, absolutely. It's a long way away, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's going to be a minute. But um, other than that, I don't know if there's much else to the Rising Islands chain, but I will say, again, just reiterating it, I think this was where the the game, because I kind of beelined the first main quest before I started really exploring the world, this is the point where I was really thinking, oh, this game is special. This game is really special. This is, this might actually be better than Breath of the Wild special. That's I was getting really excited to do this main quest series. And, yeah, I think uh, I had a similar like I was obviously I was liking the game yeah. prior to this. But it did it did feel like whoa, okay. They've done something. Mm-hmm. So I get what you mean. Um there is one more shrine on our way up here. Ah yes. Uh Katanaum Shrine. Um which uh is a blessing. A Rauru's blessing. Yeah, again, just to mark, you know, your progress. This one is basically is literally there to be like, here's a checkpoint, you're making your way up. Have you ever job. marked one of these shrines, Luke, and then I'll save this for later, and then get disappointed mm-hmm. and yep. go back? <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, when I'm sitting down and doing a bunch of shrines, one of them will be like, here's a blessing. I'm like, oh, great, thanks. You're like, what a treat. <laughs> like, yes, rubbing your house. I've got about ten shrines to do, and like five of them happen to be blessings. Yep. Cheers, pal. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, of course. So that's why happened. I would always at the very well, especially least because to a shrine after I first fight, first see it, because if it is a blessing, then I know I'm not going back. It, I'd only really exit a shrine if I was if a puzzle was really stumping me. <laughs> now, once I've entered a shrine, I think I've ever exited until I'm done. Mm-hmm. Fair. Not how I roll, um, dog. But yes, like once once you've got to the shrine you're kind of at the end of the rising island chain at least and uh you'll trigger a cutscene with chulin here where uh chulin's like oh well we didn't find princess zelda well this was a bit of a waste of time and then there'll be this kind of weird sort of golden aura going around chulin and an ethereal voice will just suddenly say Come. Come to is me. This, 
Is this the first time Tulin hears the voice? I think so. No, I think no, I think we actually bypassed. Some it. of the other ones it here happens, quite early. It happens yeah. slightly after when you get his bow back. Does it not? Is it not? It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't voice you. It's just, it's just the yeah. golden aura, and the characters are yeah. basically both like both Link and Tulin are like, what was that? What was that? This is where I you think hear maybe Tulin that. says he heard the voice, but you don't hear it yourself at that yeah, stage or yeah. something like that. I just but imagine Link kind of shrugging and agreeing. Yeah, I mean, I'm just Link Link used to people around him saying they're hearing magic voices. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's, it's guiding you to, to go into the cloud, the massive spiralling maelstrom, in which you can kind of see a appears to be a giant massive ship which uh chillin says hmm that could that reminds me of the song of the storm wind dark huh i wonder if i wonder if that's relevant (laughs) (laughs) i can't remember that is there much of a a mission in terms of like getting over that cloud so i'm pretty sure you just jump on ships slow like to get up they're kind of kind rotating of... in a big circle you know like lots of them like yeah four and you kind of you've got like well you use about four or five to kind of jump but they're all kind of at different elevations that's it and you kind of reach the top of the storm basically and i don't know if i'm remembering mis- misremembering this but am i right in saying that once you kind of reach the top of the the top of the cloud and you begin to then dive into the the eye of the storm, yeah, obviously yeah, to reach the, the deck. Does the music cut out here? Does they purposely like make the music cut here? Like when yes, you, there's like some. Is that right? I'm like I kind of remember that. I remember it being very quiet and cold and like once you yeah, breach the cloud, like, yeah. and you kind of see the the bright weather for a second, but you're you're kind of at the top of the cloud, then you kind of in the sky zone. And then you begin descending again. I'm sure, like, yes. it felt like a really cool, like... Like the Matrix moment. Revolutions. <laughs> yes. When Neo and Trinity fly over the clouds. Yes. I'm sure that's a reference that is very familiar to all our listeners. <laughs> that specific scene from that one film. <laughs> And we can arrive at, and I think it literally pops up as a title card, Stormwind Dark. Stormwind Dark. And then it, the subtitle is Wind Dungeon. No, Wind Temple. Wind Temple. Wind, wind Dungeon. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, that does it, no, like, through it, the eye of the storm, I've got to say, like, the... Just, super cool, right? really great, man. Like, just, I don't, like, fully remember you are saying about the music cut now, like, I don't really remember that, but if it does do that, and the music was played all the way while you're making your claim, that just makes it even better yeah that's a really cool bit of like direction for the game mm-hmm. love it um i guess if you accidentally ended up doing this at night you could cheat yourself out of the uh the visuals a little bit i guess you'd still have the serenity of like the yeah the, you'd have the moonlight the, and stars maybe yeah maybe mm-hmm. people who vibe. did it at, I'm sure there are people who did it at night who think we missed out by doing it in the day, you know? Yeah, yeah, totally. I think it was like, I almost got hurt. By the time I reached that above the, the eye of the storm, like, I was kind of, I was just getting to morning, I think. But like I mentioned, I had the blood mm. moon before. Mm-hmm. So I, I timed mm-hmm. it kind of just right. 
Oh, that'd be cool with the sunrise and stuff. That'd be awesome. But yes, yeah, obviously, the, the you want to spend as much of this game as possible at sunrise and sunset. Oh, just, cool. just seeing the horizons when you're up in the sky looks... Just, yeah, just seeing the sun like, glisten off like the blaze of grass in that game is like mm -hmm. something else. And then like golden clouds drifting past you when you're up in the sky. Mm -hmm. Ooh, lovely jubbly. So we're on the wind temple now. Yes, uh... A, f a familiar. If we had a wind temple, we had the wind temple in Wind Waker, right? Yeah. Does Twilight Princess not technically have a wind temple? Mm. So there's like a gust jar in the game, right? That's not... Nope. Is that a different that's, game? Is that uh, Skyward Sword? That's Phantom Hourglass. <laughs> no, wait. No, no, it is Skyward. No, Skyward Sword's a gust bellows. Gust bellows. Yeah, that's what I remember. Yeah. Jay yeah. only remembers that because they're really obnoxious in Smash Brothers. In Smash Brothers, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's only in the Wind Waker. And, uh, and then yeah. in, uh, there's a Temple of Wind in Phantom Hourglass. So, yeah, okay, basically. Basically <laughs> the same. Um, and... Uh, yeah, so the, the the Wind Temple in the Wind Waker was like this, was this kind of underground labyrinth with lots of fans and such here. Whereas, I love the vibe of this dungeon, like being on this floating, you know, this ship flying through the sky. Hmm. You know, the kind of the blizzard billowing around you, and we'll talk about it as we go through. But the way you kind of traverse and get your way through the dungeon. Um, it was just really impressing me. Like as I was saying there, this I was just in awe for this whole section up, up and up to and including the, the finale of this dungeon. Um, it really felt like they were firing on all cylinders and just absolutely nailing this whole experience. I do agree. When I actually got to the dungeon and started um, doing it, that was when I was like, oh. I guess it's different to the Divine Beasts. It's not that different from a Divine Beast. I guess, yeah, so... Particularly um, this one, right? Because it's still a big flying... You know, it's similar to the big flying bird that you had in the previous it's game. It's like a vehicle, right? Like a massive flying vehicle, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's that's the... So what we'll say is, like, when you, when you land on the ship, um, you'll see Princess Zelda... Um, Chillin confirms, yeah, this is Stormwind Dark from the legend, this is actually it. Um, and then you see Princess Zelda on the ship's deck, but then she vanishes. And then there's a blizzard that seems to be billowing below um, from a hatch. Um, so clearly whatever is the cause of the blizzard is, is down there, we need to get to it. You try a terminal nearby, doesn't open. And then the mysterious voice that told you to uh, go into the Stormwind Dark says... You need to unlock uh, five hatches using five switches located around the uh, the Stormwind Dark. Which, uh, yeah, if you were, I guess, if you were hoping for a total departure from the the dungeon structure in Breath of the Wild, you might be a wee bit disappointed there, I suppose. Yeah, you still. No, I still liked it, and I think I know this is going to be controversial. I'm not that married to the old Zelda structure of just mm. 
here's a big maze. Find keys. Go find whether the unlock it is. Go find another key. Like, I like that I just, I know I've got these five rooms I need to do. Doesn't really matter what order I do them. Each one will internally have, like, a bespoke puzzle. <laughs> but, like, the overall structure of getting through the dungeon feels much more simplified than it did in older Zelda dungeons. Mm. And I do understand why, for some people, that's frustrating. Yeah, because for, like, a but lot of people, me, right, that the... is, like, the structure of a Zelda game, like, for them. Mm. Like, which, like, I get what you're saying there. Like, for me, like, I don't hate the old Zelda like dungeon like I don't say I hate I'm it I'm kinda no. kinda yeah like I, I'm just kind myself as well like I'm kinda over it <laughs> like I don't I don't hate that they were good but I like seeing something different and yeah. obviously Breath of the Wild done something different and so is Tears of the King see I I, I played Skyward Sword with the Switch re-release between Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom and I obviously really liked it you know Zelda's still Zelda at the end of the day it's still fantastic but even having you know a, a, a taste of like the older dungeon style um it, it was growing a little bit tired towards the end of that journey you know i was like okay i'm gonna find a key i'm gonna use the dungeon's item to pressure the dungeon whereas i do like the uh the the more freeform nature it, you know by design tears of the kingdom breath of the wild they are more freeform experiences. You know, you're, you're they're open world games. You get all your major abilities, well, nearly all your major abilities, in Tears of the Kingdom at least, uh, at the very beginning of the game. They want you to play with them from the very beginning and use them all. The dungeons are going to represent that. So, I don't think a traditional dungeon aspect where you'd get a new item, but let's say you, this is the dungeon where you get Ultra Hand for the first time. I just, it can't work because you need those items for traversing the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know by necessity that's why the dungeons are as they are in both Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom and uh, yeah some people might not like that but for me I think it meshes really really nicely with the overall design of the game well the big difference with Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom is that the game you know the actual gameplay part of it resides in the overworld yes whereas in a lot of older Zelda games the overworld is basically just what you walk walk on between doing dungeons, yeah, but you're you're my... wanting to get to the dungeons, right? Like it's it's, I suppose the, the way to kind of phrase this is in the older style of the Zelda games, the destination was absolutely the goal. You want mm-hmm. to get to the dungeons, whereas Breath of the Wild: Tears of the Kingdom, you're relishing the journey itself. Yes, but the image of Zelda, right? The box art, the promotional materials has always been like. Link in a grassy field on an adventure. Yet that was never the main, like, aspect of any of the older Zeldas. And I think even back then playing them, I was always like, I was excited in Twilight Princess when I'm on my horse battling enemies, riding around on the grass, because it looks great and feels great and feels like I'm in Lord of the Rings. Mm. But then the actual majority of the interaction and the level design and everything was always in the dungeons. Yeah. And Skyward Sword started, right, there's a lot more puzzles and bosses and interesting things to do in the overworld. But in Skyward Sword, they achieved it by making the overworld basically be three big dungeons. Yeah, yeah. Whereas, yeah, Breath of the Wild, simply by spending the time and money to create a massive world made of level design, 
it gives you like, yeah, okay, here's a big world that feels real, but also mm. it's full of gameplay. Yeah. Yeah, it feels like they've kind of finally nailed what they wanted, like a Zelda game to be like yes. all the way back from like the original NES version being more kind of open ended. But I can also understand because Zelda, even if that was what they wanted Zelda to be, it's mm. not what Zelda was for a lot of Zelda's history. Yeah. So I can understand that frustrating some people. I think for us three, though, like, I I never had a problem with the the dungeons being as they are across this and Breath of the Wild. I think you guys were the same, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, I've, I've long counted this and Breath of the Wild as among, if not actually the, my favourite games of all time. So... I certainly had no issues with that stuff. So I think we... I like aesthetically that this is different than the Divine Beasts. And we'll get to it later, but the four dungeons do have a different vibe visually. Like they they yes. look different from each other. I think the Divine Beasts were slightly more interesting to play. Um like this one, you can't move it. Whereas the the stick of the divine beast, they all had some central mechanic, right? Like if we compare this to the the Rito bird from the first game, you were like fly, you were tilting it in the air, and that added to the puzzle solving mm. and the exploration. I guess so, but part of like what you get here though is right. You're just you're using Tolan's abilities and you're kind of jumping off like oh, yeah, it's, the it's, main temple. It's still and very very the... cool below the arcs, like Hull and stuff like that. I think they're more in... They get more in the weeds with, like, the powers that Link can use. Like, I think the very first puzzle uh, to progress is you want to use Ultra Hand, connect an icicle onto a lever mm-hmm. to open the mm. door. So, like... You really are, I feel like, always using pretty much all your core powers. Mm. Um, beyond Fuse, but Fuse is more a combat ability, I think, than, than a puzzle-solving ability, right? Um, Unless it's um, putting something on an arrow to shoot, then yeah. Something like that, yeah, exactly. Um, but you're using Ascend, you're using Ultra Hand, you're using Recall, and you're using Chillin's Wind. Um so I, I, I suppose in a way, the sage's powers are the equivalent of getting a dungeon item. Thinking about it. Now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They actually do do that thing where it gives you a new power. The diff, I think, Tulin's one actually is probably the exception because you do use it in interesting ways to jump off of the dungeon and use his wind to get you across a gap and fly in through a gap or whatever. Mm-hmm. I seem to recall the other three. They don't really get used in puzzles so much as just you get to whatever the the MacGuffin is and you use their power to activate it. Uh, we'll, 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 come, we'll get to them when we we'll co- come when to we those. To we'll come to those. I yeah. think some of them have got more combat functionality, mm. whereas Trillin's power is isn't really to do is a traversal combat. power. Yeah, it's traversal, which they do make use of. Like there's like. Like, for example, I know there's a couple of gaps where, like, the walls are covered in ice. So, um, like that cave we spoke about a couple of episodes ago, you can't climb up the walls. 
but yeah. you can glide across it using Chulin's power and a paraglider, um, which is pretty neat. But I hadn't really thought about it until you mentioned it, but yeah, they are the equivalent of the old Zelda, here's a dungeon, here's an item. Yes. Um, so people who complain about these not being proper Zelda dungeons have yet another reason to shut up. <laughs> um, so should we go through the dungeon just kind of have a little look through I've got a I've got a walkthrough open here we can kind of go through it yeah yeah take it through step by step because I don't yeah. remember super specifically don't remember it yet so we, as I said as you begin you use the the icicle and uh, attach it to a lever which i thought was a, a, a neat touch it took me a while to actually solve that puzzle initially try to figure out like yeah i think i was just, just slapping use. the lever with my sword and stuff or trying mm. to <laughs> move the lever itself i think i dropped an item like i dropped maybe like a a stick or, or, or a spear or something i had but i don't think it worked for some reason so maybe they i think i, I like sort of... found the way i kind of figured out that you had to use the ice to go there is like there's a mm-hmm. there's like a, there's always like chests dotted about in the temple mm. and there was like one behind a gate mm-hmm. and like some like icicles fell off the wall nearby and I used those on and like fused those onto like a spear that I had and I just used uh-huh. ultra hand to poke it through the gate and pull this pull the chest towards me so I could collect it nice so I was like yeah well, uh-huh. some like the little kind of puzzle I was like ah I see what they're asking me to do here I think they do that a couple of times, like you said, for that that optional yeah. chest, and then this. So this one actually opens up one of the uh, the the five MacGuffins, as Luke put it there, uh, which are in this dungeon uh, a propeller that you need to chill in to blast a gust of wind at, which powers up MacGuffin. the propeller MacGuffin, and it powers up a switch, and one of the five locks on the uh, the hatch to whatever is down below releases. So that's uh, one of five, and um, I'll speak about. Actually, I'll, w- I'll wait to speak about this next point later. So pro- progressing on, um, you spoke about kind of how we kind of went inside and outside of the boat. That they, they uh, if you're fo- you know going through and following this guide, um, you'll do this probably pretty quickly, and I think that like you said, that's probably the most divine beast element of it because I do remember going inside and outside of the dungeon quite often with a lot of the Divine Beasts. Hmm. Um, especially well, that's Van, that um, Varuta, Breath... right? Like that's... that's something Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom could do that older Zelda's couldn't because the whole world is rendered in this one open world engine. Whereas, you know, you're in a different place when you're in a dungeon in older Zelda's. Yeah, there was... Um... There was one in Skyward Sword that kind of had elements of that the the like sand ship one how you can use like sunlight from outside to trigger some of the puzzles it's still a separate destination it's not part of the overall world mm-hmm. map right you can't like yeah you, you can't fall off the sky ship and then you're in lanairu desert or whatever it was called whereas mm. you can fall off the stormwind dark and fall all the way back down to hebra if you wanted to uh, yes, so I get what you mean. luckily you couldn't fast travel back. <laughs> yes, yes, you do get a fast travel point. So yes, fortunately, that's not a problem. Um, so yeah, you'll use Chillin's power to book a gust through a gap and get into the ship. Um, you'll use Ascend to get into a different part of a room. Because you'll see up, upstairs there is another puzzle where you attach 
um, a, like a platform, I think it's a, a platform or a bar or something to a gear and you spin it round and um, the, the, um, the door will open but as soon as it stops spinning the door closes so what you have to actually do is um, climb a bit of puzzle in here, spin it round, release it, then use recall on the gear so mm-hmm. it's, it's a bit it spins around so you can get through the door which uh, is a very fun little puzzle, I enjoyed that. And while we're talking about um, flying around outside the ship, mm-hmm. we should mention it's surrounded by the smaller um, platforming, the you know the trampoline ships that we were talking about earlier. Yes, there are a bunch absolutely. of those floating around it to give you an extra little way to gain some height, or uh, if you miss part where you wanted to land, you can sort of bounce back up and have another shot at it. It's like I'm remembering right. There's like a, isn't there like a little laser cannon thing on the side as well? One of the the ship. Yeah, I think you can get shot at <laughs> as you're uh, as you're traversing, which again is a bit like the divine beast, I suppose. Yeah, I don't remember it like being particularly dangerous. Just adding a little spice. Yeah, it's just, just like around. yeah, you just need to be careful. Like when you're like bouncing from ship to ship, like that it is going to target you, and if you get hit midair, yep. like you are going to fall all the way down to Hebrew Mountain. Um. So the next, so there's a propeller after you get through that door. Uh, the next one, you'll have to go back to the top of the ship. And um, forgot to mention, from the hatch that we spoke about where we're opening up, there's like a wind geyser billowing out from the hatch. You mm. can use that to gain mad height. And from there, if you land on the top of the boat, you can kind of open up this sort of, um, like these double doors, like this kind of bunker almost. Um, but you then have a, a Mission Impossible moment where you've got to uh, fall down and there's lasers on your descent and uh, you've got to reach the bottom of this kind of shaft dodging the lasers, which uh, that's Yeah, it's fun, extremely though. cool. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, always fun. With the, any any game could, does that, I'm always a fan. It's not as hard as it looks like it's going to be because there's a bit of an up breeze. Even if you're not using your paraglider, you're not falling at full speed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's it's very doable, but it still looks really cool and feels epic. So, yeah, you they use those that kind of updraft physics in a few other areas. I think we spoke about this actually. Yeah, there was right. one in a shrine, kind of similar kind of concept. Wasn't yes, it? we spoke about. I think it's a shrine. That's it. But you're skydiving yep, about right. using the updraft. Indeed, um, and I think it's at this point because at the bottom of this uh, shaft you'll get another propeller that I wanted to mention. Um, what they do with the music in this dungeon because oh my god <laughs> are they it doing it brilliant. i don't remember it much from the dungeon i mostly remember it from the boss so they do this in every dungeon um but as you unlock and i don't know if they did it in breath of the wild if they did let us know drop us a tweet um but as you unlock more and more of the switches, and um, mm. you'll get like the more and more layers added to the music, and it kind of builds and builds and builds to, you know, a crescendo as you're going towards the last switch, um, ah. which I I think is brilliant because it just it builds that anticipation for the the boss battle you inevitably know you're going to have to fight. Um, and it's just a lovely bit of like just building the journey as you go through the dungeon. Mm. It starts off, you know, 
as you're getting your your feet and kind of understanding the layout of the dungeon it's you know very calm but then as you're kind of hurtling towards the finish and you're you've got your head around the mechanics of the dungeon you know what you're doing um you know the music's almost psyching you up along with that and i i, I think it's a fantastic uh bit of musical sound design there um and i, I always love when you've got music that changes with your progress or changes depending on where you are in an area things like that yeah um, yeah of course like it's something that i remember noticing the, like, the first game i ever noticed ever doing that was actually the original jack and daxter back on okay. ps2 um, my example was going to be mario sunshine where um they add extra percussion to this track when you get on yoshi yes yeah <laughs> it's, it's, it's cute little stuff like that um whereas this what what you're what you're doing here is you're slowly but surely unlocking a very like epic rendition um of uh well there's it's not fully epic yet we'll get to that but <laughs> um it's a sort of version of well dragon Rose island rito village whatever you want to call it um to musically score your journey through the dungeon and i love it I think it's a fantastic piece of music. Well, we talked two weeks ago, right, about how much you dig the Rito Village tune anyway. Yeah. And then this game gives us such cool remixes. Oh, yeah. I think this is why this whole section... I, I'm a big sucker for music in games. Like, it's a huge reason of why, you know, Final Fantasy XIV is one of my favourite games is because they have some kick-ass songs yeah, for the whole journey. Nintendo are definitely on and, the top form in this game Nintendo is nailing it here yeah. yeah it felt like to me what they do with the music in this game and in particular this track it just felt like a massive middle finger to everybody going um, oh Breath of the Wild doesn't have songs it's just plinky plonky piano <laughs> nah mate not having that, not that. Yeah, also the plinky plonky piano is great yeah, I love the Blinky Plonky piano, yeah. Isn't it like in Tears around. of the Kingdom? It's, it's still there, but isn't it mainly just when you're on your horse? Yeah. That's what yeah. anyway, which, is, which it fits, yeah. I think. Um, But yes, yeah, so if you progress here, I think you go down and fall off another part of the boat and go in through a window. Um, You'll find a puzzle where there is a gear turning, but one isn't. And you've got to use an icicle to connect the turning gear to the inactive gear to open the door. Um, I don't know if you remember that puzzle. Yeah. Now that I'm speaking about it. I remember doing puzzles like that, but there are similar things throughout the game. So yeah, I don't There's know if I'm specifically game. remembering Again. that one. It's kind of similar kind of puzzles repeated on a shrine. Um. I found this quite fiddly. I just maybe my head wasn't working correctly. But yeah, this this was a bit of a fiddly puzzle for me. Mm. Um, and yeah, lastly, I think you just drop to the very, very bottom of the boat. And if you land on a piece of the boat that's like one of the wings that are flapping, kind of keeping the boat aloft. Yeah, they, they look mm-hmm. kind of like, they're like the oars on a boat. Mm. Yeah. Yes. But here, they're yeah, I guess they are kind of wings because they're keeping it up in the air. Flying. And... Yeah, if you, uh, you'll find a little room, which once you're in there, um, you can then get to the final lock. So, yeah, fairly uh, 
it seems fairly quick when you just rattle through it like that. But well, and it wasn't. It's not super long, in. right? They're not hours and hours long. These dungeons. Yeah. No, no. But there's, I think there's so much scope to like a little bit of exploration to them. There's def- there's a lot of chests dotted about, and there's chests. A lot of times, yeah. I'm not gonna find like all of them in all of the temples, but it's a good kind of sidetrack thing. Yeah, I skipped pretty much all the chests you can get <laughs> in the uh, in the dungeon there, just so that run through. Like, there's a lot of optional stuff that you can get. Yeah, I think I've got and they're usually maybe, like, four or five just well. on the main part of the ship. Uh, yeah, like on the top level of the deck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, they're usually worth going for in dungeons as well because they're either rare gems, which you're, you know, they're always worth getting, arrows, which are like gold, <laughs> and uh, or weapons, which you know, you probably burning through them mm-hmm. as you progress through the dungeon. So, well, I wasn't too bad. Like the enemies didn't like. I forgot to mention that on the the climb up to this temple, like because it was my second. Like, this is the one where I was, like, slicing through enemies in one hit. Because I had <laughs> strong weapons from the desert. Ah, <laughs> uh, I see. So the enemies weren't much of a threat, so I had, like... Other, I remember having too much kind of trouble with the puzzles, because I had t- time <laughs> to kind of figure them out, because no enemies to deal with. Yeah, they do respawn, right? Like, I remember going back up to they the do, deck yeah. and they'll, yeah. they'll be back, yeah. Like, I think that after each kind of switch, you, you turn. That makes sense. Back. Maybe the ship is building them. Could be. Unlikely. But could be. <laughs> They're getting pulled up from oh. the storm, maybe, from, like, four <laughs> locations. Oh, I like that theory. I like that theory more. Just imagine them, like, flying through the sky. Like, <laughs> <screaming>. <laughs> Uh, I know like a big stack of them, like a captain, like construct, like just leading these troops into the storm. And that brings us to the conclusion of this dungeon. And in classic form, that means a boss battle. Hell yeah. Um, so yeah, we open up that hatch, and it opens up, and uh, Lincoln Chillin kind of they kind of peer down, if I remember rightly. I could be totally making this up on my head, but they kind of look down, and then suddenly a massive like gust emits from the hatch and kind of blows them up into the sky, and then this absolute abomination. Comes flying out of the hatch. Um, this terrifying looking. Flying centipede. <laughs> flying centipede monster. Um, which reveals itself to be the the source of the, the blizzard. The scourge of the wind temple. Colgera. Now, if there was one complaint that is legitimate from the old Breath of the Wild dungeons, it's that their bosses were lame. Yeah. And uh, yeah, this game does not suffer from that. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely not. Absolutely not. Um, and I think I like that because Ganondorf is back, we're getting 
and this will be a, a theme as we go through the other bosses as well, we're getting versions of old Zelda bosses that have that kind of been, you know, refreshed for this world or yeah. warped by Ganondorf over the years. Um, because obviously name convention, um, you're going to be immediately thinking of um, the Sandy Brethren Mulgera. From but, also from the Wind Temple, I believe, in Wind Waker, right? Ah, uh, cool. You might be right. Pretty sure that's right. But yeah, this is almost a yes. fully aerial battle. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think if you're on the ground in this battle, you're you're going to be in, you're in trouble. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does the thing which. Um, I think Breath of the Wild did this when you're battling the Divine Beast itself. Where you can like fall and then get your glider back out and it kind of refreshes your stamina. <clears throat> yes. So you can be... Basically, you never want to be on the ground. You're just falling or gliding. Yeah. Um, and the monster is just flying around, up and down. It's really big. Um... And it's made of like these segmented sections, which are basically hoops with ice in the middle. Yes, and the ice looks strangely well. Not the main parts of the back, but these hoops look a bit fragile. Yes. Um, how did we all smash them? Yeah, uh, shots, arrows oh, at them. Yeah. Yep. Same. Like slow down time. Oh, we were all. Oh, we were all boring. <laughs> None of us realised you could just dive straight through them. Oh. I really, <laughs> no, wish, I, wow. I really wish I did because that's like... I was just like, I was liking the fact that you were kind of battling the wind and like having to skydive and move around with Tulian and I got, like, got you out really and, like, I had a lot of like key swings on me so like from lining up a long shot I use a key swing so it goes like a further, further distance. I've seen people talking about this on Twitter and it's almost like old school Zelda fans just assumed you shoot it with your bow and we all did that. Mm-hmm. Whereas maybe someone who came to this game knew because they've just gone through a big section teaching you to dive through rings of ice. It would occur to them, like, right? The game starts with, hey, you can dive in this game. Then we get to this section and it's like diving through ice all the way up here. The game was clearly trying to tell you to use dive to fight this thing. Yep. But for us old Zelda heads, it's just like, oh, monster, shoot it with my bow. It's, uh... It's hard I really to, like, think of that, though, right in the moment. Like, I'm going to defend well, that's it. my choice of using no, the No, 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 I... All three of us did it. Yeah, yeah. But that's, yeah. yeah. I, I think for some... Maybe for people who are new to the game, it's not a matter of they had to think about it. That's just yeah, naturally like, yeah, what the, the game, game will communicate it to. Yeah. That's what you're saying there. Um, I wish I'd done it because that like gives me big Dragon Ball energy. Goku just <laughs> flying through Piccolo. Yeah. Um. So yeah, you're meant to fight. You're you're shooting these weak points. Um, I kind of alluded to it earlier. Oh my god, the soundtrack for the, the boss scene for this guy. Yes. Holy shit. Yeah, <laughs> Incredible. it's literally the re- it's like something you would see someone make on YouTube where it's the Rito Village music 
remixed as a boss battle theme, but it yeah. they nail it. It works so well. Real Village brackets epic orchestral version. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it, oh, just the the when you get that big musical sting where the choir's just like bellowing the kind of main mel- melody of the song. Mm-hmm. Um, like you can get some really good like musical sync moments like in this fight. Like, 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 like the weak point. Yeah. Stuff, yeah. Just yeah, weak point. And I'm sure that happened to me during this fight. I was just absolutely grinning from ear to ear during this whole fight. Um, this whole dungeon, near enough. This whole this whole bit we're talking about today. Just what most what of this game, if I'm being real. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> The so what made this fight extra epic for me was I literally finished this fight about a minute before my last hot food ran out. Oh wow! <laughs> so the whole idea of not bring buying the armor actually enhanced your. Body. I was actually going to mention that earlier about the fact that when you do have like a food buff on or some kind, and like you're constantly, I feel like you're constantly looking at the timer, like. Going, I've got to get to where I'm going before that runs out. Yeah. It's going to be pain. So I can imagine that's like tenfold during a boss boss battle. I'd made a bunch of them, so it's not like I was in any danger of running out. Right. But yeah. Nonetheless, it was a thing. So after you break all three parts, um, Kogera disappears through a portal because <laughs> the addition being a big scary wind conjuring centipede, he's also a reality bender and can go through portals and then he comes back and he's um he's ready for phase two baby he's, he's renewed his weak points and he has a few new attacks so he teleports from like below you right and he goes up like yeah. he flies vertical this time so you can um, can't die through those can you <laughs> die through when that's happening. Although, if you do dodge them, this is where probably the arrow aspect is a lot easier because mm-hmm. you can kind of potentially get all three weak points as he kind of rises up. Yes. Um, if you act with the bullet time, you have enough stamina. Um, what do I mean? You can just refresh the stamina by. Oh, um, and he also conjures massive tornadoes as well. So when he's just kind of flying around it makes it very difficult to actually um, get down and you know, get below him to get to the segments potentially um, so yeah he's, he's got a few new tricks for the second half of the fight but it's uh... no I don't remember it being mm-hmm. super hard in either um, phase really but it was definitely cool yes just a real spectacle battle Absolutely. yeah um, and I mean I think that's what I want from most of my Zelda bosses. I don't yeah. want it to be a complete pushover, but I'm not really looking for a FromSoft boss. No. Like, I didn't want to be think... fighting this thing, you know, 15 times to try and get it. This kind of gave me... It kind of gave me a bit of, like... I think any massive boss always gives me, like, Shadow of the Colossus vibes. And well, there also one... there are, like, big flying serpentine ones in that, right? So... Yeah. Yeah, it's not completely unfair to compare them. So yes, we've finally taken down Colgera, and with that, 
the storm will subside. However, this episode will also subside for the time being. Um, so you'll have to make sure and join us next time as we uh, wrap up the end of the uh, the Wind Temple. We'll have a chat about that and uh, find, maybe find out who is whispering to us to come up to the storm and dark. Uh, we'll probably take a poke back into Rito Village and maybe check back in at Lookout Landing, depending on time, depending on how we do next time. So join us for probably some of what, if not all of that. But um, until then, Luke, where can we be found? We can be found on the social media and that. Just search Hyrule Field Report or Hyrule Field Pod. Make sure you follow us, like and subscribe, rate and review, tell your friends. What they call all of it, all of social media now. It's just everybody's changing their social media name. Social yeah, media yeah, that's what I'm not going to bother saying. <laughs> <laughs> we're on X, we're on Threads, <laughs> we're on Blue Sky. <laughs> we're on Threads. Did you mention Threads? I did mention Threads. We're also not actually on Threads, but yeah. we can be, not I guess. Except that we're on X. <laughs> Zeet. Let me go Zeet. Some tweets. I haven't heard of that one. I wish yeah, we were on Meverse. <laughs> yep, yeah, Nintendo brought back Meverse. Right, rest of the wrap-up. <laughs> and if you want to help That's... support the podcast, you can go to patreon.com slash podcastio podcastius. And Jas, do you have some sage words of advice for us this week? Yeah, if... I was going to say, if your body has become a temple of wind, you may as well go to a doctor and get that checked out. <laughs> So that's like something I would get on a t-shirt, like, yeah, my body's a temple, the bloody wind temple. (laughs) (laughs) Look, I got the body of a god, too bad it's Buddha. Which I hate, because, you know, Buddha's not a god. And uh, you can get the first ever piece of Hyrule Pond. Yeah, there we go, yeah. (laughs) My body is a temple of wind. How much would it cost for us to put a t-shirt up for people to buy, do you reckon? Probably not as much as you think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because well, there's probably services that do them to order, right? So Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you if literally one person messages us saying they will buy that t-shirt, I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, until then, my soon to be t shirt wearing friends, I'll catch you next time. Cheerio. Bye.